If you've ever been to Boulder, Colorado, you've either been to or seen Boulder Creek. It's a waterway that starts high in the Rocky Mountains and winds its way thousands of feet down a canyon, cutting straight through the heart of the city. Like a community magnet, the bike path that parallels the creek attracts runners and cyclists and dog walkers of all kinds. Families picnic on its shores with snacks from the farmer's market. People hang out there, on the benches, in the grass, under the bridges. Increasingly, it's where people go when they have nowhere else to sleep. And I ended up out here. Well, because I can't get my SSI. I don't know why. Everybody said, oh, I can help you, I can help you. And here you are. All the talk is there, but ain't nobody helping. So, this is my house. And I accept it. This is Don. And I asked him why he chose to set up near the creek. So there ain't nowhere else to go. I met Don one day as I was commuting to my office via bike. I'd noticed him appear the week before, sleeping in one of the underpasses that takes the bike path in the creek beneath the city's cross streets. It's where the concrete dips down, sort of like a cradle. There are lots of underpasses throughout Boulder, and they're popular places for people to escape weather, like rain and sun exposure. There aren't any day shelters in Boulder, or designated places for people without homes to go during the day. Before the coronavirus pandemic hit, the library downtown was a popular hangout spot, as were hubs operated by some nonprofits scattered around the city. Don has a transesophical puncture prosthetic, which means he speaks from a small opening in his throat. His last stable place of living was Boulder Manor, a senior living center about two miles away. He'd been camping down the street on the edge of CU Boulder's campus, but an altercation with other unhoused people sent him here. So I moved down here because of the rain, and I've been down here ever since. Do you plan to stay here for a while? Well, I have no choice. Where am I going to go? Camping has been outlawed on and off in Boulder for decades, though people have been sheltering themselves here in creative ways for much longer than that. The southern Arapaho peoples were the original stewards of this valley. They wintered here until the 1800s when white settlers forcibly removed and massacred them. Now, generations later, people today live here in a variety of ways. On the side of the road in camper vans, over-occupied in house bedrooms, scattered in multi-million dollar homes, and, as ever, people live outside. How many people live outside here is hard to say. I'm curious, how are people experiencing homelessness? How are, how are they counted? How do you keep track of the numbers of people out there? So that's my least favorite question because there's no good answer. That was Vicki Ebner, the homelessness policy manager for the city of Boulder. The last time there was an effort to quantify Boulder's unhoused population was in January, during what's called a point-in-time count. It's the one day a year where most metro areas all over the country send people out to count who they observe as living unsheltered. Now, Boulder County is part of the Metro Denver Homeless Initiative, so we're one of seven counties supposed to be working together to end homelessness in the region. They estimate about 700 individuals are living without shelter in Boulder County, and that's probably an undercount. 
We're all very quick to point out that it should never be used as a proxy for the number of people who are experiencing homelessness. It's a snapshot of one night, uh, the last week in January, um, but it's a way to compare between communities and, and a little bit of trend data. Homelessness is not a new experience here. Boulder is an expensive place to live, and a place where losing your home is so much easier than finding a new place to live. Surviving the homeless experience with our sub-freezing winters and camping ban, plus proximity to drugs and violence and grief, it isn't easy. Dozens of unhoused people die here each year. Dylan Ackerman. In December 2019, 48 people were commemorated in a remembrance. James Garcia. The coronavirus Hello. pandemic that hit earlier this spring, it's only made matters worse. I, like many, noticed the encampments growing larger and larger and more common throughout the city. This was happening in Denver too, and most other cities all around the country as people lost their jobs, were evicted from their homes, and shelter capacities were reduced for social distancing. Homelessness is a vast national issue. But in Boulder, the pandemic also happened to coincide with the service reduction phase in our county's strategy for ending homelessness. Certain areas of support, like day services and transitional housing opportunities, are now noticeably thin, and many groups of people, from the unhoused themselves to Boulder's Human Relations Commission, various nonprofits and community groups, they're all increasingly frustrated. Lindsay Loberg is the chair of Boulder's Human Relations Commission, which is responsible for cataloging human rights concerns in Boulder. We were at a protest downtown when I recorded this conversation. Right, so it's like some of these things that are going on are, product, are like counterproductive to the goals of this program. Um, so there's like a disconnect, right? Like the stated priority is to house people, but then at the same time there are things going on that prevent people from getting housed because the unspoken goal is that, or like, not, I don't want to say goal, but the unspoken priority is that people, frankly, like, get housed or leave. In case you didn't catch that, Lindsay said the unspoken priority is for people to get housed or leave. In this six-part series, we'll look into how Boulder County is trying to solve homelessness and how it compares to what other communities with similar issues are doing around the country. What's working and what isn't, what's being left unspoken, and what's being heard loud and clear. The experience of being unhoused is different for everyone. As someone said to me recently, there are a million ways to become homeless and a million more to get yourself out of it. I wanted to try and understand the full spectrum of the homeless experience here in Boulder, because there's a common misperception that homelessness is a product of an individual's choices, or substance abuse, or poor mental health, when in reality, time and time again, studies show the top reasons for homelessness in the Denver metro region are more systemic. The lack of affordable housing is the leading cause, and that's closely followed by an inability to find work, 
especially work with a livable wage. Racial inequity, stagnant wages, and unaffordable health care all contribute to homelessness here, and the number of unhoused individuals is only rising. Is Boulder's strategy for helping these marginalized community members really helping? If not, what else can be done? But first, before we get into alternative or new solutions, we need to look at the system as it stands today. People are falling through the cracks. What's creating these gaps? Is it intentional? And what's the ultimate goal? Let's dive into the status quo. By August, the homelessness situation was growing worse in Boulder. You could hardly walk anywhere along the creek without passing by a tent, or a group of tents, or just bodies. Sleeping, lounging, eating, washing. Eventually a group of unhoused people started gathering in the courtyard outside the municipal building downtown. The building itself had been empty for months since the pandemic had everyone working from home. But soon tents were set up, as was a portable grill and other cooking supplies, even a donation station. This courtyard is right at the intersection of two busy streets. Thousands of people pass it by every day. Before long, someone had made a sign declaring the group Camp Free Spirit, a revival of the 2011 Occupy Boulder movement. It was a call for attention to and a protest of the harassment unhoused people have been experiencing at the hands of the police. All this, all this havoc and stuff, it just, it's ridiculous. You wake up in the morning time and here's a police officer. It's wrong. It's wrong. That's Amos Washington Jr., a Navy veteran who spent years unhoused on and off in Boulder. He's the president of Camp Free Spirit. His wife, Angela, is the vice president. You know, we don't need them running us off just because we're homeless. Homeless is not a crime. It's not a crime. Multiple times in the weeks leading up to the establishment of Camp Free Spirit, the police had cleared, or what's sometimes called swept, Angela and Amos and their friends from other camping spots. They were tired of getting moved around, and they wanted to stay put. If the police try to move them again, Amos says, their plan is to resist. I would tell them, no, I'm not going anywhere. I'm tired of running. I'm tired now. The police were following instructions handed down to them. What started as a discussion up at city council earlier this year trickled down to the city manager, then to the police chief, who was instructed to balance compassion with enforcement of local ordinances, a.k.a. uphold the camping ban, which makes it illegal to sleep outside with any sort of covering, be it a blanket or a tent. You see, not only did Boulder experience an increase in the visibility of encampments, complaints about them increased too. A change.org petition garnered nearly 7,000 signatures from Boulder residents, urging the city to, quote, remove any and all encampments, increase police patrols, and better protect our business community, tourism, schools and universities, and local economy from the detrimental effects of crime, illegal drugs, litter, and other environmental and health hazards that have overtaken our city, end quote. And it's true. 
there are problems with crime and drug use in the unhoused community, just like there are problems within the housed community. Meth is a particularly concerning drug of choice here, and it's hard not to see the connection between the piles of shiny bikes sometimes found in homeless encampments and the surge of bike thievery this summer. And yet, there are so many people who are just experiencing a bad break in the system, looking for some type of way out. I talked with dozens of unhoused community members, and no one was alike. No one was perfect, but no one wanted any less than a humane and easy-to-navigate housing system. Here's Boulder City Council member Adam Swetlick. He used to serve on the Housing Advisory Board before being elected to council last year. He basically sums up one of the core issues that many take with Boulder's current approach to solving homelessness. Our sheltering processes haven't kept up with the realities of the world. Um, and that's that not everybody fits into a simple little box and you can just place them there um, on any given night. It just doesn't work that way. So um, that's why I think we need to provide a much larger array of options uh, because it's important that we address people's individual needs to some degree. Obviously, you know, maybe your choice of meal that night isn't going to happen, but um, just for feeling safe and feeling secure, um, that, that is kind of something we need to pursue. What you'll hear among homeless advocates is that the support system for unhoused people is too narrow. That's why we have so many people out on the streets. If you don't fit into the county's prescribed box and agree with their visions of home, then there's little to no resources left for you. I asked Adam to explain the basics of what the city's doing to reduce homelessness, if not keeping the sheltering process up to date with the realities of the world. Um, right now, we try to get people into housing right away with housing vouchers and, um, and hope, hopefully that will stabilize them and keep them um, from losing their home again. This is the basic concept of what's actually a national policy strategy known as Housing First. It's the idea that people are more likely to truly end their homeless experience if they're given stable housing up front before having to get a job or be sober or enroll in school. It's an approach that's been backed by national research, says Steve Berg, the vice president of programs and policy at the National Alliance to End Homelessness, an organization that works closely with unhoused people and policymakers in many states. It seems simple, he says, but turns out the best way to end homelessness is to house people. Usually, if you ask that person, they'll tell you the first thing they need is a place to live. And it turns out a lot of data and a lot of a lot of research and a lot of community experience have borne out that that is true for most people. Um, that if you try to fix other kinds of problems first before you've dealt with the basic human need for housing, it just that that's not an effective way of working. So it's now been about three years since Boulder County went all in on adopting this housing first strategy. In 2017, the cities in the county, Boulder and Longmont, banded together with some nonprofits to form Homeless Solutions Boulder County, or what people call HSBC. HSBC consolidated the county's efforts to reduce homelessness, and now it serves as the centralized organizational body governing all the local homelessness mitigation work. 
And in the last three years, they've been able to house 463 people, some of them literally straight from a tent next to Boulder Creek into an apartment. It's pretty remarkable, and it's an amazing opportunity for those who are selected for housing to gain some traction in life. Steve Berg with the National Alliance to End Homelessness told me that other cities using this housing first approach have reported substantial reductions in homelessness. In some places, like Jacksonville, Florida, homelessness dropped by 40% in six years. But as it stands, housing first is a solution strategy. It's an idea. Whether or not it works out comes down to how it's implemented, how it's actually applied to a given community. And that's where most of the frustrations voiced by homeless advocates stem from. The implementation of Housing First in Boulder, not the idea. I spoke with many about this, including Darren O'Connor. Um, I'm a longtime Boulder resident and now a practicing Boulder attorney. Um, I'm the Criminal Justice Committee Chair for the NAACP Boulder County Branch and Regional Vice President of the a National Lawyers Guild, and just someone who's been focused on homeless rights and homeless issues for about the last five years. One of Darren's biggest qualms with Boulder County's iteration of Housing First is its use of data. There's an extensive dashboard kept on the city's website, which tracks the number of single adult individuals who engage with HSBC's coordinated entry system or the filter that everyone must go through in order to participate in housing or shelter or service opportunities. The data dashboard is interactive and helps illustrate the dynamic homelessness situation here. But with its emphasis on successful homelessness exits, which comes with a broad definition that includes reunification with family or friends, being placed in treatment programs, simply being, quote, diverted from homelessness services, or actually being substantially housed, Darren says all this is distorting the true picture of success. And the data we do have, Emma, is tells us that something like 4,000 people since 2017 have gone through coordinated entry and a few hundred people have been housed. And while it's great that they have had more um, voucher funding and placed more placed people at a higher rate than they used to, the majority are still homeless. The more majority of people who've come through that system still need a stopgap. And that's where I have my fundamental frustration with the new status quo. Um, you know, the status quo is sort of shifting to providing less and less for those who don't get housing and then um, telling the story of how great it is for this increased number that they are getting housed. and. I think when a majority of the people are still not getting housed and they're seeing you know, the number of service beds go down from 390 to 110, that they're leaving that part out and pretending that the rest of them will just go away. I mean, there's this belief that you know, if they're not in a bed and they're outside and the police have to go after them, that eventually they'll just leave Boulder. But it, it doesn't change. You know, that, that situation doesn't really change anywhere else. Here's the thing. Housing people is increasingly expensive in Boulder. And so the vast majority of the homelessness reduction budget is being funneled through HSBC's efforts to house people. The city even created its own local rental voucher program to help facilitate this. But 
The major obstacle is the lack of affordable housing. At one point this summer, only 33 of the 48 available vouchers were being used, since it can take a while to find the right housing for people, plus the coronavirus made it harder to work people through the eligibility process. As HSBC began diverting funding toward housing, they started slowly taking away opportunities and support for the currently unhoused, those who were either waiting for housing or don't qualify for the housing, or who don't want that kind of housing, or who might not be ready for it yet. As I said, there's no longer any support for day shelters or a place for people to safely hang out or do research or study during the day. There are plans to build more affordable housing, but no major transitional or temporary housing facilities. There's one shelter left, and there are a lot of rules for who gets to sleep there at night. Here's council member Adam Swetlick again. There's a lot of things that people, a lot of reasons that people can't actually get into that program. So um, if you're a heavy meth user, there's almost no house that's gonna allow you in there. Um, so and there's a large percentage of our homeless population that uses meth. So um, there's an issue there automatically. Those people probably can't be housed first. Um, there are, is an issue if you have a pet, you can't stay at the shelter. Um, there's an issue that if you uh, are a couple, you can't be in the shelter together, you have to go separately. Things along those lines where there really aren't solutions right now. Um, there's no option specifically for that. Um, there isn't any designated safe parking spaces in Boulder if you're experiencing homelessness. There's definitely people parking around our community any given night. There's no doubt about it. Um, and we don't seem to get a lot of calls. Um, but I, I see that as a safety issue for them because, you know, there, there are break-ins anywhere. Um, and, you know, if you're living out of your car temporarily you should probably have a place that feels safe um, and probably some security around and access to bathrooms, you know, pretty basic human rights stuff. Um, so uh, temporary parking is definitely an option. Um, other things include uh, just different type of sheltering like I talked about. So we don't have sheltering specifically for women in, in town um, or LGBTQ people. All of this on top of the fact that at the beginning of 2020, HSBC implemented a new rule requiring people to prove they've been living in Boulder for longer than six months in order to qualify for a shelter bed and participate in the Housing First programming. The idea is that this will help curb the number of unhoused people who come to Boulder in search of services a population that's been growing in recent years, according to the city's data dashboard. Mostly, people come to Boulder from Denver, where homelessness is also steadily rising, as it is nationally. The head of Boulder's Housing and Human Services, Kurt Fernhaber, is intimately familiar with all of this. He's on the board of HSBC and helped it get up and running. He's proud of the work the organization has accomplished, yet he understands why frustrations remain high. We have, we have great data systems now, we've had great results, and we have lots to be proud of, but it doesn't feel any different when you walk through our city. 
It doesn't feel that much different. It doesn't feel like we've made an impact. So with few options for support and limited shelter opportunities, it's perhaps not a huge surprise we've seen this surge in homeless encampments. It's created a triangle of tension between the housed people of Boulder, who want the encampments cleared, the unhoused people of Boulder, who are looking for safe places to exist, and the police, who are called to help manage the people who have nowhere to go. Based on research from the National Alliance to End Homelessness, Steve Berg told me this tension isn't productive. A harmonious community system doesn't work with one group chronically ticketing or harassing another. Here's local attorney Darren O'Connor again, explaining why the setup with the absence of services and the increased presence of police doing the heavy lifting in homelessness street work doesn't really serve anyone. If we're going to say that you know, it's criminal to be camping outside and as a nation, you know, at the larger scale and then down to the macro community scale, um, we're going to turn the police on you and say that's the solution other than this small percentage that we get housing. You know, there, there are huge gaps and it comes, and I think this is a big point, that the reason for homelessness is so much systemic and, and not down to the personal choices I mean, there are people who have, you know, traumatic brain injuries and mental health issues that are, affect, they are disabled, that we're simply telling them, too bad, you know, if you don't qualify as vulnerable enough, you don't make it to the top of the list to get housing, and you'll just have to survive until you get lucky enough for that to happen, if that ever happens. So it's become a game of survival for some and a game of whack-a-mole for others. Under pressure from public demands to clean up encampments, that's what the city began doing this summer, enforcing the camping ban and clearing sites where tents have gathered. It's a public health hazard, people argue, which others see as ironic considering the CDC published special guidelines explicitly advising city leadership against sweeping encampments during the pandemic. Sweeps cause people to disperse throughout the community, potentially spreading the virus and breaking connections with service providers. One day when I was out at an encampment, a doctor stopped by to check in on people. If they were swept along, she might not be able to find them again. And remember Camp Free Spirit and Angela and Amos, the group of people camped outside the municipal building downtown, tired of being swept along? They're perhaps the perfect example of how these tensions in the community played out. In the first two weeks of August, the city manager directed the police department to intensify its response to homelessness, and dozens of sweeps ensued. People would pack up their things, or have their stuff thrown away, and move on down the creek. I heard over and over again how traumatizing this is, being woken up in the middle of the night. The police actually told Camp Free Spirit in the form of an eviction notice that they'd be arriving to the municipal court on August 18th, and they'd clean up the plaza and anyone there along with it. This is when things bubbled to a near breaking point. I saw rumblings of a protest organized for August 18th on Twitter, and so I biked over there early to see what would happen. The plaza was already filled with people, many dressed in all black with shields and helmets. There were activists with hand-painted signs more unhoused people than had been camped there before, also legal observers and families. Angela told me they hoped the police would stay away in the presence of so many homeless advocates and supporters. 
We're hoping that the police never shows up. We're hoping that we get a chance to stay out there and not being harassed. That's my house. All these are our houses. They don't need to be tearing our houses down. It's just like evicting people from their regular houses. It's the same way. Yes. I think the police just need to back off. City council need to listen a little bit more than they're doing. And I see things changes. I see things that they need in this town for homeless people out here. Yeah, what do you see? What do you? I see people need to wash every day. People need clean clothes. They need a water fountains put around the whole city. They need restrooms more than anything because it's it's filthy. You know, they don't have to make a town a beautiful town like Bolton nasty. You know, make it filthy. And that's been the biggest problem the police, and it needs to stop the bullying and. The, coming around when you sleep and shining light in your face. And they do that. Later, I pulled aside another one of the Camp Free Spirit organizers, Dan, who's the resident artist and camp secretary. Dan's been living unhoused in Boulder since the beginning of the year. Before that, Dan was in Denver, and I asked Dan if they've got any plans to move from their tent into more permanent housing. The thing is, I'm actually on the list for housing through Mental Health Partners. Okay and uh, just a waiting game. I had the, uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's like this scoring thing of where I am on the housing thing and uh, my mental health and everything. And apparently I'm pretty high up there, Yeah. but I'm not going anywhere until we get our right to rest back because it's ridiculous of how the police have been treating people of color, um, homeless people in general. It's just, I'm tired of watching the sweeps. I'm tired of being part, having to, uh, not being part, but like, being swept along, I'm just like, it's time for us to take a stand and say, no, not anymore. We need to show the police that we are not scared of them and that we are not going to stop until all of this crap is done. Amen. Because we're not just doing this for Occupy Boulder. It's part of it, but we're doing this for all of the homeless community. When we have enough resources, we're actually going to give goodie bags out to those who have helped and also other homeless folks because that's what we're here to do. We're here to help, and we're here to make a stand saying we are not going anywhere, and that this can't be banned is unconstitutional. It really is. And were you all expecting this many people to show no. up this morning? No. We were expecting, we were expecting like a lot, but definitely not this many, and I heard that there's more coming. So this is, this is a really amazing thing that we got this together in so little time. Mm -hmm. And how does, how does it make you feel to see this many people here this morning? It's, it, feels, it feels amazing. It feels, like I'm act, I'm, it feels like I'm a part of something, that I have a purpose, that I found my purpose in life, and it's just, it feels good. Because I went from, you know, being bipolar to diagnosed five different times by five different hospitals and psychiatrists. And before I was on my medicine, it was just like, it was every day feeling worthless, feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like I didn't have a purpose, feeling this way and that way. And I, now that I feel a little bit more balanced and I'm part of this, it just, it feels like I have the drive to do something, the motivation to move forward. And like... Just then we heard people shouting about police, but it was a uh -oh. false alarm. Eventually, Amos gave a speech to the crowd. Uh -oh. Use that Navy voice. 
Okay, I'm glad everybody's here. Thank y'all for y'all support. Helping go to occupy president of go to occupy. This racial stuff and things that's going on needs to cease. A lot of things came on my mind the last four days. I was sitting and I was thinking about things. First thing come to my mind is we are people, these people need things. We need, they need, excuse me, they need messages. What was on my mind, I was sitting there looking around Boulder Occupy, a water fountain can be put in, maybe two, some type of portable toilet for people to use the toilet. A lot of things need to be done and they're not doing it. There will probably never be the perfect system that can help everybody at the same time. There's already been one death this season during an early snowstorm in September. But is the solution the one that throws all resources into one basket? Somebody out there cares. I do. And a lot of y'all do. Right. Open your heart to them. Tell them what you want. You want to be left alone. You want to be able to lay down wherever you want to. Judges tell these cops all the time, these people got to sleep somewhere. That's right. And they're right. The police never did come that morning. They waited 10 days, then came into the municipal courtyard at 4.30 in the morning when it was technically closed and none of the community volunteers were present. I saw the light shining. Next thing we know, we hear them saying, Boulder PD, everybody get up, pack it up. When I heard about the sweep, I biked downtown to Camp Free Spirit to see for myself. I talked to Amos and Dan. Was it like a, a, a violent awakening? Yes. Somewhat, yes, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, they were bullying. Because bullying. I'm, a, I'm an epileptic, and so is she. And they were shining lights in our faces. We, I told yeah. them repeatedly, do yeah. not shine that light in my face. I will have a seizure. I was seconds away from a grandma seizure. And they steadily just, they're bullies. That's how they are, they're bullies. Then I talked to Officer Ross Maynard, one of the homeless outreach team police officers. He estimated that by the time they swept the courtyard, there were between 15 and 20 people camping there, all of whom they forced to leave. Amos and Angela were taken to the shelter, but their dogs aren't allowed there, so they didn't stay. You know, in a, in a perfect world, in an ideal system, our police officers the ones who are out doing homeless outreach, I don't think so. I asked him where everyone else went. I'm not sure where all of them went. A couple a couple asked for our assistance in facilitating their like movement, but the rest of them just kind of left, packed up all their stuff and left. So I'm not sure where they went. I, my guess would be is that Central Park and Evan G. Fine Park are probably two of the places that they went to. Would be, would be my guess, but I don't know. Yeah, is there a so, plan to also clear out yeah, that'll get that'll get cleared eventually as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of political will right now behind clearing encampments. So it's going to yeah. be my nightmare for however long it lasts. So, spokespeople from HSBC say there aren't any plans to change course. Housing first is the number one focus, and it'll remain as such. So, many wonder, beyond the police, who's picking up the rest of the tab? Helping the folks who don't fit into the coordinated entry model, or who are waiting the long wait for housing to open up. That's next on Unhoused.
We created this show as an extension of six written articles, which you can find at boulderweekly.com. The Unhoused podcast is a collaboration between Boulder Weekly and KJNU, and you can subscribe to the series wherever you get your podcasts. The series editor is Angela K. Evans, and audio production for this episode was done by Maeve Conran. I'm Emma Athena, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.